welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Hey, good to see all of you today. I'm so happy that you're here. What a blessing to dedicate Baby Bennett today and how exciting that is and having all your families here. Fantastic. And I want to just welcome all you that are joining us online now. Thank you for being here. And for those of you that are staying for the newcomers luncheon afterwards, I think this is one of the biggest ones we've had in a while. So it's pretty amazing the things that the Lord is doing among us and with us, and I'm excited about it. We've been talking really the month of January and this month about discipleship, discipleship and the power of God. And I'm talking to other pastors and leaders around the country and around the city, and it seems to be a common theme with a lot of people. This is kind of what the Lord is saying to us, that it's really time to kind of look inside a little bit and just kind of make, are we really committed not just to be converts, but to be disciples? And uh, because I can tell you the truth, uh, there aren't two choices. You're either a disciple or you're not. And so we'll get to that maybe in just a moment. Last week, I talked about the call the call to discipleship. In Matthew chapter 4, 19, Jesus is walking around the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and they're casting their nets. And he says this to him. He says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately, they left their nets. They left their boats. They followed him. And so this is the call to discipleship. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That's what a disciple does. They're a follower of Jesus and a fisher of men. And we say that the definition of discipleship then is that it is a process to help people follow Jesus, fish for lost people, and commit to a spiritual family. That's just the entry level. That's the entry level of every disciple is they say in their heart that I'm not just a churchgoer, I'm not just a you know, I'm going to show up at church, but I'm, I'm there because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm seeking after God. I'm looking after the Lord. I, I'm, I'm not really happy uh, or, or totally content. Maybe you can be happy but not content with really my relationship with the Lord. I want to grow some more. And, and so Jesus calls us to follow him. And that, in that following him, we become fishers of men. We become people who really go after love and go after lost people to bring them into our family. And finally, to commit. Let your roots go down deep into relationships and commit to a family because that's where you how you really love, learn to love God and to love one another. Today, we're going to look in Matthew 16. So this is 12 chapters later. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus, by this time, has been walking with his disciples two and a half years, and, uh, and he's talking to the same group that he spoke to at that first day. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, Bartholomew, all the disciples, he's talking to them. And so in Matthew chapter 16, 24, we find that he expands really the, the definition of following him. There's an expansion of that idea. He's gonna really talk a little bit deeper into what that really means to follow Jesus. And so, you know, some of us think that following Jesus is like following somebody on Instagram. You know, we just observe what they're doing, and gosh, wish we had that life. Uh, but it's a little different than that, and he expands that uh, definition a little bit in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, that's okay, just take your time. Uh, it, 
I always love that because it just reminds, it makes, makes me look, am I saying the right thing here, Lord? <laughs> and Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, we're going to learn a little more about the cost of discipleship. And Lord, as I share this message this morning, I'm asking for your anointing. Lord, not just to make this real to us, but Lord, to make it something that we want to pay for, something that we want to give. And so, Lord, today, Lord, I just ask that you would bring your presence now and you'd help us as we talk through Matthew 16, 24. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'm going to do here is what homileticians, those are practicers of homiletics. Homiletics is the study of the Word of God. And so I'm going to do what homileticians, how about that word, you like that? Homileticians say, I'm going to deconstruct this verse and then bring it back together again. Okay, and reconstruct it. So here, here's what the verse says, and Jesus said to his disciples. Now, where that does bring us into context. The context here is that Jesus has just asked all of his disciples this fateful question, this amazing question, who do men say that I am? And they guessed, you know, some say you're one of the prophets, you're maybe Jeremiah, you're Isaiah, you, you know, uh, John the Baptist, you know, you, that's what men say lots of things. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up, he says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And in front of all the disciples and all the followers and the entourage that Jesus has around him, Jesus says, well done, Peter. You've rightly spoken. And, and <coughs> he says, flesh and blood, blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. And upon this rock, this rock what? This rock of revelation, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is a big day for Peter. He, see, he stood up a little taller in his sandals that day. Because the king of the universe has just commended him for the revelation that the father had given him. The Bible says that from that time onward, he began to preach and to say that the son of man has to suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and the Jews, and that he would be crucified, that he would be buried, and that he would one day rise from the dead. Peter, having heard that now a time or two, decided that he's going to take Jesus aside. He's the one with the big revelation of Jesus in the church. He's going to take him aside. And Peter began to say to Jesus, may this never be so for you, Lord. Not you. Not you that you would have to suffer. Not you that you would be crucified. Now, don't talk about, don't say that anymore, Jesus. These people are going to quit following you if you keep saying that. Emphasis added by me. And the Bible says in Luke that Jesus looked around at all the other guys, and then he looked right at Peter, and he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are more mindful of the things of man than you are the things of God. And in one 
two, three, four short verses, Peter goes from the pinnacle of you got it to the depth, no, you don't got it in front of all his buddies. And with that, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, here's the first word I want to pull out of this verse, the word anyone. If anyone comes after me, if anyone, he says, desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I love this word, anyone, because it's not so much as a demand. He's not demanding that you follow him. He's not demanding that you deny yourself, but he's opening the door wide to an invitation that whosoever may, that whosoever would like to have a piece of this action, that whosoever would like to get close to me, the door's wide open. The door's wide open. And I'm of the firm conviction that most every one of us in this room are as close to Jesus at this moment as we want to be. Otherwise, we'd be trying to figure out a way to get closer. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're hanging on by thread, by your fingernails to your relationship with God. You've got so many things going wrong in your life, so many things that you know are not pleasing to God that you don't even know where to start other than just to show up. And thank you. I'm glad that you're here. I want you to be here. But it's time to start thinking about those things that please God. And Jesus said to his disciples, if there is anyone, he opens the invitation to anyone. It's not just Peter or James or John or Andrew or Matthew or Bartholomew or Judas. None of those. It's not just them. It's not just the guys who are the A players or the guys who are the fighter pilots. It's open to the whole army. It's open to everyone. It's an open invitation to whosoever may. It's not dependent upon your socioeconomic class, your personality, the amount of effort you put into it, your charisma, your skin color, your age, your station in life, how many years you've been walking with the Lord. None of that in this moment matters. If anyone, he says, desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So the first thought today as we deconstruct this verse is this. Jesus is opening the invitation to you. It's available to you today to get closer to him. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can force you to quit. It's all up to you if you want to respond to the invitation. It's open to anyone. The second word I'd like to take out and deconstruct, bring it out of here, maybe go just a little bit deeper, is the word desire. It's the word desire. So if anyone, we talked about that, it's open to me and you, desires. I went to Google to get a definition for desires, and the English word desire is defined like this. It is a strong feeling of wanting to have something. We have a desire in our heart for something. It's a strong feeling of wanting we can desire just about anything. Can desire fried chicken tenders. Just got to have them. I mean, just got to get dressed, get out of the house, get in the car and go get them. 
And so we can desire all kinds of things. But Jesus said that this desire, this desire is to come after me. That's the desire we're looking for. And so this word desire, it's really interesting here in verse 24 that we've been looking at, Matthew 16, 24. In the very next verse, the same word is used again. In this case, Jesus said, if anyone desires to save their life, they will lose it. And if anyone loses their life for my sake, they'll find it. They'll find it. And so Jesus says here that you can't desire two things at the same time. You can't desire to follow after Jesus with all your heart and at the very same time to preserve your life, go the way you want to go. It doesn't work that way. It won't, it won't work that way. You have to choose. You have to pick one. And there's no demand from Jesus. He knows you, loves you. He's just offering you an invitation to choose, to choose to follow him. I remember when I graduated from high school, my dad gave me some life advice. And one of the things he said to me, he said, Joe, I hope you get everything you want in your life. I thought, that's a pretty good blessing. Thank you. There's a caveat that goes with it. He said, I just hope that your wanter is not too big. That your wanter is not too big. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Right up under your hand is your wanter. Nobody has control of that but you. But you. You decide what you want and what you don't want. You decide what you're going to desire and what you're not going to desire. You make that choice. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants, desires to follow after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. So this word desire is very important. It's very important. And we'll come back to that in a minute in verse 25. So here we go again as we're deconstructing this verse. If anyone wants to follow after me, then watch this, let him deny himself, deny himself. One of the slight disadvantages we have in Bible study is that the Bible that you own, unless you are a Greek scholar, the Bible that you own is written in English. There may be some Spanish speakers in here, maybe some German speakers in here, French speakers in here, and you can have, you know, French, German, you can have, the scriptures are, you know, they are uh, in several, like a whole lot of languages. But the underlying language is Greek. And so that Greek then has to be translated into English, right? And sometimes they miss the meaning a little bit. It's hard to get the meaning for word for word sometimes. So if you're not a Greek scholar and you can't go back to the original language of your Bible, what you can do is you can look at different versions of the Bible. And by reading different versions of the Bible, you can get an idea of what that root Greek word is. For instance, 
When he says here, let him deny himself, I read that straight out of the New King James Version. Been reading that since I got saved, 1983. And so I'm most familiar with that. And all the scripture I've memorized comes from that, that version. And so, but, but what does it really mean to deny himself, to deny yourself? What does that really mean? The NLT describes it and translates it this way to give up your own way. So self-denial is then synonymous with giving up your own way. The Amplified Bible says it this way, to set aside your, your uh, selfish interests. So to deny oneself means to set aside our selfish interests. The Common English Version, I love the fact this one is called the Common English Version, says it like this, forget about yourself. Yeah, forget about it. If you're going to deny yourself, just forget about yourself. Uh, the GNT, the Good News Translation, says it this way. Just say no to the things that you want. Other versions say they ignore yourself, disown yourself, renounce yourself. But in any way you call it, any way that you look at it, what denying of self means is to set aside our selfish interest, give up our own way, forget about and renounce ourselves, and take up the way of the cross. Take up the way of the cross. Because denial of the self is the third term that we're looking at here. And it really means to set those things aside that concern your selfish interest. And follow after the way of his interest. Right? So he goes ahead and asks the next or the fourth phrase. He says, and take up your cross. So if anyone, anyone desires, desires to come after me, let him deny himself, there we go, pick up your cross and follow me. That's what Jesus said. So what does it mean, then the fourth one there, to take up your cross? Luke says that we should take it up daily. So he recalled Jesus saying, it, not just saying pick up your cross, but to pick up your cross daily. The Amplified says it like this, that if we're going to take up our cross, we're going to express our willingness to endure whatever may come. We're willing to endure whatever, whatever it will cost us to follow Jesus. We're willing to do it. We're willing to do it. And so there's a cross that has been made expressly and especially for you. No one else can carry it but you. And here's the thing with Jesus, you don't have to. You get to choose. You get to choose. And picking up a cross is as simple really as, is really, is we all have a will and a way that we're going in life. We have a way and a will that we're going in life. And somewhere along the process of going along in life, Jesus intersects that way and beckons us, invites us to go with him. Don't have to. Keep going your way if you want to. But he invites us by saying what? If anyone wants to come after me, anyone. I think about that just for a minute, and uh, I think of my friend Rob Carmen. Rob and Ginger, heroes of the faith. I mean, there was nobody as larger in life than Rob Carmen. 
He was at the height, the zenith, really, of his influence, traveling the world. He and Ginger, I mean, they were going to Europe and South America and uh, the far uh, Southeast Asia and just crazy places. I mean, up into the highlands of Papua New Guinea. And they were training leaders and ministering to churches all around the world. I mean, amazing. I mean, Rob was coming up on, on ministering to over a million people. Belonged right here to this church. When they weren't traveling, they were here on the front row. And he and Ginger had a path, a direction. They had something that they were executing with their ministry until Rob got sick and died. Now, in that moment, Ginger could have said, my life is over. But God intersected the way she was going and the way Rob was going, and invited her to come along with him. Matthew and Jane. Matthew and Jane were right out of training at Youth with a Mission, and uh, they were raising support. They were finishing up their training. They were getting their team together. They were about to embark upon a lifetime of ministry with Youth with a Mission, and they were getting all together, and they started coming to church here. Just, I think someone invited you, and you guys came and showed up here. And the time came when they said, you know what? We want to meet with you, Pastor Joe, tell you what we're doing. And so we had a little meeting, and in that meeting, I listened and heard and thought, awesome. And the Lord just put it in my heart to ask them and said, now, this question, are you going or is someone sending you? And you could see the color leave his face, right? Because in that moment, he realized that they were just going. They didn't have a word. They were just, they were just excited about being in youth with a mission, excited about the opportunity, excited about where we could go, and they never really thought about being sent until that moment. I said, now, if you want to be sent from us, we can do that, but we got to get to know you first. So you need to put a pause, the cross, put a pause on your plans and just hang out here for a while. <clears throat> and let's see. If you can be productive here, then we believe you can be productive there. Well, you know what? He never gave us a chance to make good on that word because once he decided to go the way of the cross, today they got the rolling ranch. Everybody goes out there, wants to live there. They got 10 beautiful children. They got two new in-law children. They got, you name it, they got an unbelievable, amazing, blessed life because at some point, and many times since then, I'm sure, he decided, you know what? I could keep going my way, but I'm going to go the way of the Lord. That's where the cross is in your life, where your way is intersected with God's way. And it's an invitation. You don't have to do it. The invitation. And taking a test for the Lord is not like taking a test at school. You fail, then they kick you out of school. Jesus keeps you in the kingdom. You just get a chance to go take the test again. If anyone, that's me and you, desires, has a strong want to, come after me, let him deny himself, set aside his own selfish interest, and take up his cross daily. And finally, to follow him, to follow him. 
So here's the question. I want to just bring this to a landing because we all got the Super Bowl. I can see everybody in here is Kansas City Chief fans like me. And so we can bring this. We can, hey, we can, we can get this airplane to land. Here's how we're going to do it. Let me ask you a question. So if you were to do everything that's in that verse, get your heart lined up to following Jesus, deny yourself, set aside all your own selfish interests, pick up your cross, Jesus says something to you, that's the way you're going, no questions asked. Set aside, here's the question, is that it? Is that all there is to the Christian life? Just being what Paul says of himself, a bond servant to Christ. Other translations say it this way, a slave in residence to Christ. Is that what we have to look forward to by going God's way, just that we're grubbling around down here as slaves and just waiting for the next time for the Lord to open his mouth? Just walk around with no life anymore. Walk around with everything set aside, bondservant, slave to Christ. Well, that's what we might believe if that, if that was the end of the chapter. But there's a few more verses. In verse 25, the very next verse, it says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And here's what Matthew found out. Here's what Ginger is finding out. Here's what many of you already have found out, that trading lives with God always gives you the big end of the stick. That when you decide to lay your life down for Christ, what he brings is something more fulfilling, more purposeful, and more life-giving than what you had before. It's just better. It's just better. It's a better life because it's a life of purpose. Because now you're not doing your own purpose, you're doing his purpose. And when you join him in doing his purpose, there's a level of intimacy and a level of life that the world can't give you, that you can't get any other way. Any other way than just self-denial and the laying down of your cross. He says, whoever wants to save his life, preserve his life is what that means. If you want to keep going your own way is another way of saying it, that you're going to lose it. You're going to lose a life of purpose, a life of joy, a life of laughter, a life of, hey, I'm not saying it's not tough. Some days it's really difficult. But it's in those days that I recall and remember that the Lord used me in somebody's life. The Lord did something in my life that benefited other people. And the joy that I got from having a life of purpose having a life that God plans. Verse 26 says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So he's saying here that no matter how successful you are, you could be the most successful man on the planet, that success will never fulfill you like denying yourself, picking up your cross and following Jesus will. It never will. It'll never fulfill you. You get down to the end of it and it's empty without him. So what will it profit the whole world if he gains, man, if he gains the whole world? What could you exchange for your soul? He says in 
in verse 27, for the Son of Man will come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will repay each one according to what he's done. You cannot outgive God your resources, your time, your treasure, your life, because whatever you give, God's promised to repay you personally himself. That's great news. And Peter asked the question, he said, well, some of us here, Lord, have sacrificed everything to follow you. And Jesus said, there's not one of you that won't receive a hundred times in this age what you left behind to follow Christ. You may leave behind your family, but look at the family you inherit. You may leave behind some material things, but you will gain not just eternal things, but you'll gain things of this world that will bless you. Just take, for example, me. I grew up on a small farm in rural West Tennessee. 27,000 people live in the whole county. I got more than that in my neighborhood. The little town I'm from has a blinking yellow light. That's it. A service station, a gas station, and a cotton gin, and a blinking yellow light. That's it. The greatest trip I ever had before I went to college was I got to go to Memphis to see the uh, uh, bowl game down there. The, what was the name of that bowl game down there? Liberty Bowl. And I got to see the University of Tennessee up close and personal football <laughs> players and play the Maryland Turpins. That was the biggest trip I'd ever been on. Flash forward 41 years later, been to over 60 nations around the world. And in most of those, left a deposit of new souls for the kingdom, new disciples for the glory of God. How could that be? Except that 41 years ago tomorrow, I woke up in my little one-bedroom apartment in the village. I was laying on my back. I was looking straight up in the, in the air at the, at the ceiling. And I was having trouble getting my breath. Taking a very shallow breath. And I was looking. I, 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 there's something wrong. I, something was going on. I didn't know what. I didn't think it was my heart. I was having a heart attack. I didn't think it was, it was just something. It was like a weight, a car parked on top of me. And as best I could, I got out of bed on my knees and began to pray. And I said one simple little prayer. I don't know where it came from, how I got it, but here's what I prayed. I just said, Lord, if you will forgive me for calling myself a Christian, then beginning today, I'll serve you all the days of my life. And it was if I were standing in the... I never get tired of telling this story because it was life-changing. I was standing in the doorway of my bedroom. I was watching me pray. I could see me moving my lips. I could hear the words. And the room filled up with like a fog. You could, not a fog you could see, but a fog you couldn't see that you saw. It was the presence of the Lord. And I'd never been the same since. You see, because that day I decided that Everything, my interest, I'm setting aside. You see, here, here's the truth. When you follow Jesus, you don't get a set-aside life. You get a set-apart life. 
a life that's so much more richer and awesome than if you were doing it on your own. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's all stand to our feet. I've never been the same since that day. So here's my question. That's just for one moment, just, just close your eyes. And in this one moment, let's just say, it's just me and you. And here's my question. Where are you? It's the same question that God asked Adam in the garden. Where are you? It's a rhetorical question. He already knows where you are. But he's asking, would you take a moment and just you think about where you are? Where are you in your relationship with God? Are you where you want to be as a disciple? Are you where you want to be as a follower of Jesus? Is your spiritual life alert or comatose? Are you vibrant, alive, joyful, worshipful, adoring? Is there something perhaps that you may be holding back, unwilling to give, unwilling to surrender, that you keep coming back to? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's parents or children, grandchildren or grandparents. Maybe it's a career path that you're on. That unfulfilled feeling of just what is my life amounted to? Is there something or somewhere where your will has crossed the will of God? Only you know the answer to that question. Jesus is not demanding that you do anything. He's just creating an opportunity here today for you to surrender. We've looked at this entire verse. We've deconstructed it word by word. We pull out five terms that are very important to it. But when we bring it back to its totality, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. Is there someone here who wants to take the next step of commitment to Christ? I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm just saying that perhaps you feel the same weight that I felt 41 years ago. And you know it's time. Time to tell the Lord, Lord, all of me that there is to have, I give to you. If that's you, would you just raise both hands very quickly? Very quickly. Both hands. Both hands. That's you. Thank you. Now, if you have both hands up, I want you to make your way right here to me. I'm going to pray for you pray for you. Got both hands up. I want to pray for you. If you didn't put both hands up, but you know you need someone to stand with you and pray for you. 
Lord, you can have everything there is of me to have. I give to you. I give to you. Come on up, darling. Come on. Come on. Come on over here. Fantastic. Good. Fantastic. Anyone else? Anyone else? Pastor Robert, come over and help me. Pastor Matthew. Great. Pastor Derek, come over here and help me. Thank you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now look, I've been at this a long time. And I can tell in a moment that there's some of you that might be afraid to really give it all. And I'm just telling you, look at me. The benefit is a thousand times greater than the cost if you will fully surrender. Now, if that's you, come on. Come on, come on. We're going to pray for these, but we're going to pray for you too. It's a thousand times better. It's a thousand times greater. It's awesome. It's awesome. Is there anybody else? Anyone else? They're in the balcony. Say, it's just too far to walk. I don't want to make a scene. Make a scene. Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on, anybody up there. Listen, I'm telling you, this could be a life-changing moment for you just like it was for me 41 years ago. Be a life-changing. I'll never forget what happened in that moment. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Come on. How do you know if God wants you to come forward? Looking at the ceiling. It's hard to breathe. You know God's calling you. You know this is the moment. Don't falter at the gate. It's wide open for you. It's wide open for you. Anybody else? Thank you. You guys coming? Come on. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Now I want to just talk to those of you standing here. Okay, listen to me really carefully. There's something, when you surrender and Christ fills you by His Spirit, then there's something in you for everyone you meet. It's like a river that never ends. You never get to the end of it. The more you use it, the more it flows. The more you walk in it, the more it blows. It's amazing. I'm telling you, you got revival in you, revival in your words, in your actions. If you'll surrender to Christ, that means that today when he talks to you about someone or shows you someone or puts someone in your mind, that without hesitating, you go and do. Because you're sold out to him, right? You lay aside your selfish interests and only do. That's what Jesus said. I only do what I see the Father doing and I only say what I hear him saying. So you don't have to guess, am I, should I do something here? He'll show you. He'll show you. Because he's a good God. Now, if you would just put both hands up in the air. Thank you. And those of you that are out there, if you extend your hands to these up here. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, as we go across this crowd, lay hands on each one of these. Or we pray, Father, that something fresh and new will spring up. 
Lord, there be a joy that's unspeakable, Lord, a, a passion that's unquenchable, and a life that cannot be thwarted. Now, Lord, pour out your spirit upon now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. What's your name, love? Vera, I want you to let me just put both hands in there just like this. Vera, today is the day God's going to visit you. He's heard your cry. He's heard your prayers. He knows your heart. He's with you. He loves you. You're totally, completely, irrevocably forgiven. And you're going to walk in something new and friendly. When you walk out that door today, you're going to be different than when you came in. And there's going to be a faith come up in you and a belief come up in you that no earthly disappointment could ever take away from you. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, from the tip of her toes, the top of her head, fill her now with the power of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you, Barry, I want you to say this, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I surrender. I surrender. Everything that I have. Everything that I am. Everything that I, am everything. I give to you. Somebody say amen. 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 Come on. Let's give these guys a hand. Come on. Come on. Come on. Fantastic. Hey, thank you. Thank you for responding to the Lord. It's going to be a new day for you guys. God bless you. Give them one more hand as they go back to their seat. You guys are amazing. 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 Fantastic. Listen, we have what we call a newcomer's lunch. Nancy and I. We'll be, we have our grandchild here, so I'm hoping Nancy will be there uh, from Houston. But he, we're going to share our testimony today, how this church got started. We're going to tell you what we believe, what we're all about. And we're going to encourage you and invite you to stand with us, to become a part of this spiritual family. And so if you didn't register and you want to come, you're here, hey, we'll be through in one hour, I promise you. In one hour, we'll be done. We won't rob your time today because we got to go see the Chiefs just like you do. Okay? The Lord bless you today. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas. God bless.